The Feminist Coach Academy podcast is proudly supported by Perk Digital, helping professional and entrepreneurial women amplify their message, build their body of work, and leave a legacy through podcasts. For more information about how podcasts can help you build your brand, visit perkdigital.com.au. Welcome to the Feminist Coach Academy podcast, where inclusive feminism, business, and coaching meet. This podcast is proudly brought to you by the co-founders of the Feminist Coach Academy, Naomi Arnold and Cameron Aaron. We are feminist life and biz coaches, both passionate about helping coaches, therapists, helping professionals, practitioners, and entrepreneurs integrate a feminist lens and perspective into their businesses, life, and client practice. On this podcast, we plan to help you do so. Now let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I am so excited. Well, first of all, Cam here, and we have a special guest for you today. Nay is not here with me, but I am here with our advisory board member, our guest teacher, and our business coach, Lena West. Hey, Lena. Hey, Cam. How's it going? It's going really well. Good. Well, Thank I'm you gonna... so much for uh, having me here. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Thanks for being here. Very excited because we've been wanting to have you on. So I think I'll let you introduce yourself. And if you could also state your pronouns, that would be great. Absolutely. Happy to do so. So I am Lena West. Uh, My preferred pronouns are she and her and she, her and hers. And I am the founder and CEO of CEO Rising. And CEO Rising is an online business accelerator and digital media platform for women identified entrepreneurs. And it connects those amazing entrepreneurs with the three things that they need to grow a sustainable, scalable, ethical business. It connects them with coaching, community, and cash. And we're about to do a full-on launch into our grant program. And so there are some amazing things that we're really excited about. And of course, I am a business coach and strategist, and that's what I love doing. Awesome. Coaching community and cash. I love that. Yes. (laughs) So I think I'll start with this uh, question of... What does feminism mean to you? I know that you have mentioned you actually identify more as a womanist. So mm-hmm. feel free to talk more about that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I believe that womanism and feminism, what that means to me is centering the needs, desires, status, circumstances, and future of women identified individuals across the board. Like that is it for me, centering those folks when it comes to every single aspect of life, whether it's professional, whether it's personal, whether it's spiritual, 
centering those folks, knowing that as with any social system, when you take care of those who are least respected and most marginalized, everyone else will be taken care of as well. Yes. So you are a big supporter of the Feminist Coach Academy. Oh my gosh, really? Can you tell? (laughs) (laughs) And it's why, you know, we have you as a teacher, we have you on the advisory board, we have you as our business coach, and we're so grateful for your support and your involvement in the Academy. I guess I'm just curious, what drew you to be so involved in the Academy? Why did you want to be on the advisory board? One of the things that struck me immediately when you all started you know, really, I don't want to say taking FCA seriously because you've always taken it seriously, but like really building it out from an offer to an actual academy. One of the things that that stuck with me is that we all are told, and, and rightly so, that when it comes to systems of oppression and when it comes to doing society level change making work, that we're supposed to look at our own individual behaviors and our own individual actions and address them at that level. And yes, that is absolutely what we need to be doing. And for many of us, our businesses are direct extensions of ourselves. So, so many of us who are entrepreneurs are solopreneurs, solo CEOs, and it's not like you're typical, what we call a small business in the United States, which is, you know, anywhere from 100 to 500 employees, right? Like that's not typically who we're talking to. And so I thought with these businesses being so close to ourselves and such a, such a close extension of who we are personally, that we need to start to address some of these systems through our businesses and our business practices and our business processes. And I love that FCA makes sure that you're, it's not just you, the individual that's doing things the right way, the ethical way, the moral way, but also that your business is doing things the right way too and being as inclusive as possible and doing as little harm as possible. And I think we, we need that because we have personal development folks who teach us and show us how to be better individuals. And then we have people who have businesses and those businesses need to be extensions of ourselves. And how do we make that work? How do we bring those understandings into our business so that we're not asking brown and black people to do emotional labor and we're not perpetuating these systems of oppression and marginalization. Like, I feel like Starbucks needs to be a member of FCA. Starbucks? Somebody. Somebody at Starbucks. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> say more. I agree. But why do you say that? I just feel like they keep getting it wrong, yeah. you know? And this is not like, I'm not, this is not like calling out Starbucks. This is just like, there are loads of brands that are investing quite heavily in DEI right now. And I just feel like so many of these brands, it's like, y'all just are acting like black and brown people just dropped on the planet this year. Like, no, we've kind of been here and we've been saying this all along. 
So I just feel like these brands need to get themselves together and it, it's not a one and done thing. You know, you need to, you need to constantly be making sure, especially if you have a majority white led and run organization or business, you have to make sure that you're not because it's so easy. You're not perpetuating these systems because it's so easy to slip back in your life experience, which for most white folks, it's not. Yeah, exactly. It's really not a one and done thing. And that's, you know, what we teach in the Feminist Coach Academy is like, yeah, the training is about six months. But you know, this is a lifelong thing. This is lifelong journey commitment, right? Yes. And so if you're and having a feminist business and an inclusive feminist business is a continuous practice, that's not like there's one destination to get to, and then you're there. Right. It's it takes, you know, continuous diligence and, you know, reflection and learning because our learning of what's inclusive is always evolving as well. Mm-hmm. So we have yep. to stay on top of it. And, but that is what we help folks do in the academy and bringing in experts like yourself. And so in the academy, let's go a little bit into what you teach without giving too much away, but just you <laughs> on you know, helping people yeah. break free from bro culture in business. And so without going into your teaching, I guess I yeah. just want to know like what got you interested in that? There are a lot of business processes and systems and what I call predatory business practices that have been implemented, especially in the online business world and the online marketing world that have been implemented and as such have been perpetuated. And yes, I could, I was going to say perpetrated, but yes, that does fit also perpetuated and perpetrated just forever for years and years and years. So much so that we don't even bat an eye at them, right? So for example, having a non-disparagement clause in your contracts with your clients or your customers, that's a problem. You know, you're stripping someone's voice away and you're stripping away someone's freedom to tell the truth about their experience with you. And my feelings are, you know, let people say what they're going to and people will, you know, what if they make, what if they lie? Well, locks are made for honest people. And so we have to figure out a way to come to support our brands online when we're being unfairly accused. We have to figure out a way to to do that without removing the freedoms of other folks. Like there are other options. And that's just one example, you know, this kind of overall sense of urgency act today. We've all seen those ads and those marketing emails that are like, oh, you know, the doors are closing now and sign up now and sign up now. And there's really just a false sense of urgency around it. And you go back next week and you're able to buy the same thing for the same price. So those things or telling people that there are only a limited number of seats and there aren't. So those are the kind of predatory business practices that I am actually I have been, and I am making it my, my next level life's work for, this, for the next probably five years to kind of eradicate and draw people's attention to, uh, because it's all the tactics that the internet bros use that are considered okay. And really it's 
very high level, high scale manipulation. It's very high level, high scale triangulation. And it's very high level, high scale gaslighting. And I am railing against it with every fiber of my being because people have to see that just because people are using these business practices, that does not make them okay. And because we've been using them for so long, that also does not make them okay. You know, um, there are loads of systems that are in place that have been in place for decades and centuries that are not okay. And we need to address them. And this is one of them. Mm, yeah, point. So just to be clear for our listeners, it's okay to say doors are closing, blah, 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 but, you know, but not to lie about the price change or to lie yeah. about the number of spots that are available. Right. Or like, I mean, listen, you can't, for, there are businesses that are, you know, they do, they open and close on launch cycles, right? You know, they'll, they'll say, hey, you can come in and you can be a member now. And they need to close the doors so that they can welcome those new members and make sure everyone is onboarded and greet them and make sure that people don't get lost in the sauce. And, you know, some organizations have a certain number of people that they can even welcome in because, you know, based on the size of their company or their available resources, they don't want to underpromise and overdeliver. They want to, they don't want to underdeliver and overpromise. That's what I want to say. So, you know, they want to make sure that they're overdelivering and people feel welcome. So those, you know, we're closing the doors. That's certainly real for a lot of businesses. And then for some businesses, that's not real. They'll tell you the price is going to go going to increase or this replay is no longer going to be available or we only have space for x amount of people or they won't even say anything they'll just say this is closed and then you go back the next week and you can sign up again that same next that next week for that same price and we've all experienced that and it's just not cool anymore. It's not, it's not okay because what you've done is, and I think it's so ironic really, because what you've done is you've just lied to someone and then you send them another email and say, Hey, buy my stuff. Why should I buy anything you're selling? You just lied to me. Right. I think this is so easy to do because like you said, it's everywhere. It's so normalized that we don't even know that we're doing it. Yeah. And I mean, even you know, unfortunately, you know, armed robbery is everywhere too, but that doesn't mean we do it. You know, like, I'm not saying that you're saying that we should, but like, yeah. I agree it's everywhere. And that's also not a reason for us to just like fall into it because there's loads of stuff that people do. That's people rob banks. Doesn't mean we should do it, you know, and we have to hold ourselves to a higher standard and a higher level of accountability And we all have to be saying like, hey, this is not okay. And, you know, and let these brands know when you get those emails and you know that they're not telling the truth or when you go back to their website and you see that you can buy the same thing for the same price that they told you was going to increase last last week, hit them up and say, you know, I'm not trying to be the the Internet police here, but, you know, this is not cool. We've all had that experience of, you know, joining a program and then all of a sudden that program is 
uh, available. They'll tell you that it's not available. They're never going to sell it again. You'll never see it again. That's another one. You'll never see it again for this price. And then, you know, two weeks later, yeah, it's available and it's there for that same price. I'm just not here for that. Well, I think it's important too, you know, that these are quote unquote bro tactics, but it's not just bros that are using them. Right. Right. And so that's important to recognize. And, and that's what you help us get free of in your, you know, in the feminist coach Academy in your class. And, and, it, and like it being normalized, like you said, does not make it okay. Cause there's a lot of things that have been normalized that are not okay. Like a lot of systems of oppression, right. That we, you know, enact without even realizing it, but doesn't make it okay. So it is our job as feminists to unlearn these oppressive strategies and tactics in business. Right. Yes. Unlearn them and exit them from our behaviors and our actions and our processes and our SOPs, like just leave them out. And here's the thing, you know, if you don't, if you don't know how to bring a sense of prioritization to an offer that you have for sale to your audience, if you don't know how to help them effectively prioritize joining your program or purchasing your program without lying to them and without a false sense of urgency, then you need to find yourself a community or a coach that is going to help you figure out how to do that in a way that's ethical and how and show you how to how to have a conversation with your audience so that instead of manipulating people into acting now you show them why now is the best time for them to take action not for you and your brand because your cart's going to close or you're this or you're that but like no this is the reason why it's time for you to now take action because this has been you know a problem for too long or this is a good time in, in the state of the world to do this because we need this, the world needs this level of work from you or what have you. And if you don't know how to do that, then find someone who can teach you how to do that. It's not enough to say, oh, well, so-and-so does this or thousands of people do this. So what's the problem with me doing it? And also it's not cool to say, oh, I'm just going to do this because I don't know how to do anything differently. You know, there are loads of people who might say, well, I don't know how to go out and earn any money, so I'm just going to rob a bank. That's <laughs> kind of not acceptable. Yes. You know, you're talking about this sense of urgency, and this kind of reminds me of this sense of urgency in other ways, too, in our business. And this is something that Nay and I are trying to unlearn, and along with perfectionism. But yes. In terms of sense of urgency, like both she and I have had this sense of urgency to like get back to people immediately. Mm. And we have been looking at this resource of like the traits of white supremacy culture. Yeah. Listed on there is sense of urgency. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Yeah. And we, you know, we're, we're really taking a hard look at like how we can, kind of perpetuate that in some ways with ourselves and in our business and to try to stop doing that. And it really doesn't serve us, you know, and it doesn't serve us to, to have people expect that from us all the time as well. And, you know, like that we're always going to reply back immediately and it doesn't allow us to 
you, you know, really have healthy boundaries for ourselves and for business. And so that's just an example of how a sense of urgency can show up in your business. Yes, exactly. And it's looking at those systems and saying, where are we doing this? And I had, to, I had a reckoning for myself in 2018 about my own business model, not just practices, but my business model was problematic. And it took me a year. It took me all of 2019. So I recognized it in July of 2018. And it took me all of 2019 to restructure my business model. And so this is our first year with the new business model. And, you know, it's not 100% smooth, but it's 100% different. <laughs> and, and again, it's like not about being perfect, right? It's not about perfectionism. And so just like it took me a moment to have both feet in that business model that was working, but what was uh, but that model was also problematic. It's going to take me a little while to make sure that this business model is 100% smooth, but it's it's 100% different and it's not supporting oppressive practices. And even I have an autoresponder that's set up on my email, if you email me, that basically says, hey, I know what you just sent to me is valuable and here's how you can expect me to respond. And I, I thank people who read that autoresponder, and I thank them for allowing me to model what it means to be a CEO of a sustainable, profitable, ethical company. Yes, you've, you've talked with us a lot about modeling what we would want if we were the client. Yes. And I think that's so important. Modeling what you want if you're, if you're the client and also for those of us who are leading people, coaches, consultants, and such, right? Modeling the behavior that you want your clients, your customers, and your students to start to mirror out into the world, right? That's, so that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so how do you want them to be being and acting? Then you've got to be and act that way because they need to see that in you first and I can't tell you how many times people have responded to that autoresponder and they're like, oh my gosh, this is brilliant. I'm going to make my own version of this and, and I'm going to start doing this. And I was actually inspired by Naomi's autoresponder. And so then I created my own and other people I know have created their own based on me being, see, seeing mine because I saw Naomi's. And so it's like this, it's like this, you know, like T.D. Jake says, greatness is contagious. If you're around it, you'll catch it. And so I feel like we're all calling each other up to be greater and to be, have a different standard of communication. And the false sense of urgency has to go. It jacks up our nervous system. It yeah. makes us extremely stressed out and it's just got to go. Yes. And it, it usually, most of the things can wait, you know, they're not urgent. Yes. I mean, I say all the time, I am not a brain surgeon. I am not a heart surgeon. And so whatever is going on can wait. And we have to start looking at these areas in our business where we are demanding folks and we are, you know, that respectability politics nonsense where we are saying that this person took so long to get back to me. And so that means that they're not a professional. Examine that examine, examine, examine what that looks like. 
And so there are some people who are clinging so tightly to false sense of urgency, um, respectability politics, perfectionism, that they can't see how mistakes, genuine mistakes, will be perceived in any other way except for, oh, this brand or this company is unprofessional. And that has more to do with them than how they're perceived because it's been my experience that most people, once they understand what wavelength you're on, that you're not on this uh, so-called white supremacy wavelength of urgency culture and you're not doing a false sense of urgency, once they understand that you don't subscribe to those politics and that's just not your way of being, then they kind of will treat you differently. And that's the point. I am very, very, very clear. I'm one of the most generous people I know, if I do say so myself. And I'm also one of the most boundary people I know because I'm very clear about what I'm going to do and what I'm not going to do. And I'm very clear about the fact that I do a lot of things that I don't like to do and I don't do anything that I don't want to do. So if you see me doing something, it's because I want to do it. Or if I volunteer to do something, it's because I want to do it. I don't do obligation. And we've got to remove that stuff because all of those things, all of the obligation and resentment, those all come from the false sense of urgency because false sense of urgency doesn't give us a flipping minute to say, do I really want to do this? Do I really want to commit myself in this way? Am I the best person to do this? Or is there someone better? Should I be doing this? I'm white. Is this my space to take up? Should this work be done by someone black or brown? False sense of urgency removes the ability to ask all those questions and many more. And we just got to stop it. Yes, that's an excellent point. Thank you. Do you want to learn how to integrate a feminist praxis into your work with your clients, in your business, with yourself, in your everyday life? and be a part of an amazing community of like-minded feminists with social justice values that helps you grow your business with an inclusive feminist foundation, then you're going to want to join our interest list and be the first to know about when the enrollment for our next intake occurs. Go to feministcoachacademycourses.com to hop on or click the link in our episode notes. Stay tuned because we will be connecting with you soon about our next enrollment. And so my thing is, the system that I have for that is I have a 30-minute time slot set aside with myself every Friday, and I will sit there, and I, when people ask me to do things, I will, not everyone, but as, as general requests come through, when people ask me to do things, I will put those in a Friday folder, a Friday review folder, and then I will, during that Friday review time slot, that recurring meeting with myself, I will go and open that folder and I will see, well, what needs to be responded to and what do I need to say yes to and what do I need to say no to? And if anyone asks me, you know, can you tell me right now? If you want a now answer, then my answer is no. Like you can always count on me for if you want a now, then my answer is no. Yes. I love that. I love that you set aside a certain time in the week to respond. 
to people, you know? Yes. Yeah. And that's your, that's what works for you. That's your boundary for yourself and your business. Mm -hmm. You know, you mentioned boundaries. And one of the things I love about you is that you are so good at holding your boundaries that I never have to worry about asking you for anything because Mm -hmm. I know that if you say yes, you mean yes. And if you say no, you mean no. And I don't take it personally. Like, you know, and, and I think that's the gift of people who are really good at holding boundaries. And it's a good model. Absolutely. Thank you. And I think also in our nervous systems, because we're so used to people saying yes, when they really mean maybe or no, that we have got to retrain our nervous systems to start to respect and trust that people will hold their boundaries. And so I'm always, and I'm happy to do it, I'm always reminding folks that you can trust me to hold my boundaries. So don't worry about overstepping. Don't worry about this. Don't worry about being overbearing. You can trust that if you're bringing the drama, I'm going to say, okay, so this feels like drama. What can we do to get out of this loop? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm always going to say that. And I always say to people, if I am telling you that this feels like drama or this feels extra or this feels, you know, whatever, I am always going to care about the person enough to tell them the truth because I want folks to care about me enough to tell me the truth. Mm -hmm. And if I'm telling you the truth, it's not because I'm mad at you. It's not because I hate you. It's not because I think you suck. Because when I don't care about you, I don't say anything. I just keep it pushing. You know, that's just my thing. Like, I'm just not going to engage at all. So if I'm saying anything, it's pretty safe to assume that I actually care about you. I care about the mission of your business. And I want us to collectively do better. And I, I think we've got to retrain our nervous systems that all feedback that we get that isn't like glorifying us and petting us up is not combative, angry feedback. And we've got to allow people in to love us enough to correct us because we all need correcting, myself included. And the people who are in my orbit know, please love me enough to correct me. Uh, If I get someone's pronouns wrong, please call me on it right there because usually I'll remember in the moment, I'll be like, shit, sorry, you know, but if I don't, please call me on it. And I've had people do that. And I've had people say, you know, when you said this, I didn't, it took away my agency. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even think about that. That happens a lot for me when I'm, um, when I feel like I'm defending my friends. (laughs) Cause I take that personally a lot, you know, Um, if someone says something wrong to one of my friends, I'm always the first person to be like, well, wait a minute now, this is what we're not going to do. And (laughs) Sometimes, you know, I got to stand back and trust that my friends have the wherewith to defend themselves if they feel necessary or to ignore the slight if that's what they want to do and trust and respect their journey and trust and respect their ability to own their boundaries and not overfunction. And I have this habit of overfunctioning when I care about people and it's something that I'm working on. Mm. Yes, but I'm like you. I want to know too if I've said something problematic. You know, yes. I've done something problematic, right? Yes. No, I genuinely do. And so, yeah, I mean, that's when, you know, at our advisory board meeting, we we're like, hey, if we do something and you're like, what are you doing? And you shouldn't be doing that. Like, we want to know. Please tell us. <laughs> yes. We're not, you know, we're going to try not to get defensive and, you know, take it personally. Like, we genuinely would rather know. 
So I think that, I think that's really important. Yes. We're all sad. We all have work to do. Yeah. And again, it's about recalibrating our nervous systems and reminding people, if you are someone who's boundaried and you figured out how to effectively manage your boundaries and, you know, we have to also remember that boundaries are not stagnant, right? They're permeable. They're supposed to be permeable. And so if you're someone who's figured out how to manage and maintain your boundaries, remind people, because we're all caught up in this system of rush, rush, rush. As we go, remind people, hey, you know what? You can trust me to hold my boundaries or you can trust me to defend myself and just allow people to just relax into the fact that you're someone who's who's able to do that. Yes. So, so important. Did you want to share anything more about CEO Rising and tell more folks about your own business? Yeah, thanks. I just want to say that coaching with you, business coaching with you is incredible and that both Nay and I get coached by Lena and could not recommend Lena highly enough. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. I so appreciate that. Yeah. So thank you so much for that, Cam. I really appreciate that. And you know that I love working with you and Nay and it's not just FCA stuff. It's just the big picture. And I believe in y'all's mission and what the work that you're doing in the world as well. CEO rising is, let me start by saying this, whenever there is injustice anywhere, whenever there is unfairness anywhere, my answer and my response is always going to be, almost always going to be swift and clear. And so my CEO rising is my answer to every single internet bro tactic and predatory business practice that I have seen in place, especially in the online coaching and business world. Everything that we do in CEO rising is railing against the system in every possible way from the fact that there are levels now to working with me. There's just not one way of, of getting to me. Thanks to COVID, we had to push back our, our open community launch, but we're going to be opening that up this month. And so I feel really good about that. So now there's not one price point to work with me. There's multiple price points that are accessible and reasonable. Uh, and as I mentioned, we have this grant program because I am so sick of uh, <laughs> I am so sick of these coaches who are saying, I made a million dollars on this launch. Okay, well, that's great. Number one, as a total sidebar, how much of that did you keep? <laughs> I'm always asking that question. But more importantly, how much of that did you pay forward? Mm-hmm. I am so tired of these coaches who are saying, I made a million dollars this month. Okay, great. How much of that are you paying forward? How much of that are you giving back to this community that you say you believe in? I have a problem with that ethically. And so, again, there's not one aspect of CEO Rising that has not been directly propped up against some of the most problematic business practices that I see in this industry and in this space. Everything from our agreements, the agreements that you sign and what's in them and what's not in them, 
Our agreements include the protection of the space itself. Our, our agreements include not just the protection of our intellectual property, but the intellectual property of the peers in CEO Rising, right? We also, you know, we don't refer to CEO Rising, people who are part of CEO Rising as members, they're peers, right? So removing the hierarchy. There's just so many elements that, again, are directly pushing against this envelope of oppression and predatory practices. And I hope to continue that and move that through. And if anybody has been looking to work with a business coach who is not going to force them to do dumb stuff that they don't like, and it's going to push them and help them, you know, <laughs> grow for sure, but not going to do the internet marketing bro thing. I would invite them to, to join us in CEO Rising. You can go to ceorising.co and put your email address in. And when we launch, we'll let you know. And everything is affordable. Everything is approachable. And we're placing a, a prominence on not supporting systems that harm people. And it is not a performative space. I don't do performance on any level. I don't do drama. I don't do frenemy and I don't do clicks. This is not going to be some type of place where you, some type of program that you join and there's clicks. Everybody loves everybody. And if they don't, they can get out. I love that. And that is the kind of space that I, <laughs> I'm sure nay as well, but I'll just speak for myself, want to create in the FCA. And I hope that we are. Yes. Um, and I think that's so definitely the space. That's definitely the space of FCA because there's everybody loves everybody. There's no cool kids club. There's no clicks. There's no people who are like, oh well, your post gets a thousand comments and and input, and then this other person over here. I am an introvert. I love introverts, and so I am like all at, I am all in for introverts and. The space that is not inclusive, we don't perform inclusivity in CEO Rising. It's not even just how we do in CEO Rising Core, right? So the clients that are working with me at the one-on-one -on -one level in CEO Rising Core, we even, and, and Stacey Jordan Shelton had to remind me of this because I wasn't paying attention to the fact that I was actively doing this, but even how we check in with each other, we center the folks who need the most support in the moment, and that's what it's about. Love that. Centering the folks who need the most support in the moment. I think that's a great takeaway for everyone listening. Yes. You talked about giving back and we experience you as very, very generous. But we know that that's real too, because you are really good at holding your boundaries. That if there's something you don't genuinely want to give, you're not going to do it. Nope. So I think that's, that's another great takeaway for people too. It's like, you can be boundaried and generous. You know what, something, you know, here's the thing, Cam. I have got to say that being generous makes me feel good. I don't just do it so that I can make other people happy because I'm not here for that either. Yeah. Um, yeah. I do it because it genuinely makes me feel good because people have really had a hard time, especially with business coaches. People have gotten the crap into the stick over and over and over. And so it makes me feel good to renew people's confidence in business coaches and working with a business coach and having 
affordable, approachable access to a business coach who's not going to take your money and disappear and all of those things. And I just feel like whenever I can't be, for whatever reason, available or do something that someone is asking, I feel like I've built up so much goodwill with folks that they know that I'm not just saying no to be mean, that if I can't do it, I literally really can't do it. Yeah, exactly. I think I am still figuring out, well, now that my individual business has folded into the FCA, a little bit different now because I'm just doing FCA. But I think when I had my individual coaching business, I was, wasn't sure how I wanted to be generous in ways that felt good because mm-hmm. sometimes it felt like clients were demanding more from me than what I felt like they were paying for. And then, you know, sometimes I did genuinely want to give more and I would. And so I think sometimes there's like this dance that goes on where you're trying mm. to figure out yeah. like what feels good and what doesn't. And like, what's going to feel good to you isn't necessarily what's going to feel good to someone else. Yeah. How did you figure out that dance for yourself? I figured that dance out when I realized how much bandwidth energetic, mental, emotional bandwidth was being eaten up and psychic bandwidth was being eaten up by the feeling of obligation. And I decided I am never, ever again going to do anything that I don't want to do. There obviously are things that I do that I don't like, but I don't do things that I don't want to do. And so much was being eaten up by doing those things that I would show up to the things that I even wanted to do, cranky, unresourced, mad at the world, resentful, annoyed with an attitude. Right. And that is unacceptable. Yeah. People can feel that, right? They can feel it and they see it and it's all over you. And then you slime people. You know, Oprah has this post in her, this um, plaque in her dressing room and she says you're responsible it says you're responsible for the energy that you bring to the space and that is something that i have quoted since i saw that that is something that a lot i didn't know that was from oprah yep you are responsible for the energy that you bring to the space that is absolutely from oprah's dressing room there's a plaque there that says that and i just love it because it is so true so if i believe if i'm out here spouting out this you're responsible for the energy that you bring to the space if that's my thing and i'm saying that and i'm quoting oprah and i'm not living that well then i'm a hypocrite right so what i've got to do is i've got to say to myself if i know that i'm responsible for the energy that i bring to a space and if i know that doing things that i don't want to do makes me feel mad and cranky and obligated and resentful. And then I then go and bring that into spaces that I really want to be in, but because I'm unresourced, because I've spent so much bandwidth and energy doing stuff I don't want to do, that I don't have bandwidth and energy left to do the things that I really want to do. And so I show up even to those things as, you know, cranky pants and angry. Well, then that's not cool. I've got something to rectify that and I'm not going to stop doing stuff that I want to do. So guess what? I'm going to have to stop doing stuff that I don't want to do. And it's going to have to be across the board and I'm going to have to be honest about it. And I'm also going to have to be honest that a lot of people who are not as, as boundaried are going to take offense to it. 
and I kind of don't care. That's exactly right, because people are going to respond however they're going to respond to your boundaries and to what you want, and we can't control that, right? Nope. We're not responsible for anyone's behavior, for anyone's response, especially when we're holding a boundary. People are going to do what they do, and even like, so sometimes I'm having conversations with clients and part of the work that we do is how do we hold this boundary with this client or, you know, part of that's part of our conversation and our coaching. And I am going to say, here's how you hold this boundary and be prepared for them to respond in this way. They're either going to be offensive or they're going to attack you or whatever. So here's how you respond to that. If you want to respond to it, or if they just just decide to dump their response in your lap, you know, here's how you can manage your energy so that you can, so that you don't take their response in as gospel because how somebody responds is not gospel. Sorry. It's just not. Oh, such good nuggets here today. Such nuggets, nuggety nuggets. (laughs) I think we'll get close to wrapping it up, but before we go, a couple things. One, just wanted to ask you a little bit if you could share, like, what has your experience been like as an AB member in so far? Like, what have you enjoyed or learned? My experience as an advisory board member for FCA has been glorious. I don't even know if I shared this with you and Nate at all. Okay, so this is, okay, so hot tea, right, on the FCA podcast, y'all. <laughs> you know, I've been in business for a while, right? So I've never really worked for anybody else. I've almost exclusively worked for myself. And when I first started my business, I was on a lot of advisory boards and a lot of committees and a lot of boards, like fiduciary boards, actually, full-on boards, legal boards. So I've been giving back since I started my career. And I was fried from that. And I started doing the thing (laughs) that I just talked about, right? I just, I started doing the thing where I was on these boards and I felt obligated. And then I could not bring the proper energy to the things that I wanted to do because I was feeling obligated by these other things that I kind of just either fallen out of alignment or I was not, I had outgrown those opportunities or I wasn't as engaged with the message of the organization, whatever the case may be, it was just no longer a fit. And so I stopped volunteering. Uh, I stopped putting myself out there. I stopped saying yes to things. And I mean, I have not been on a board in, I don't know, maybe almost 10 years. And cause I was just, I was fried from that. And that was like my give back, right? That was like a full-time job in and of itself. And typically within those organizations, I was like the web savvy, tech savvy one. So I was the one who was sending out all the newsletters and setting up the social accounts and writing all the emails and all the programs for the events and writing all the copy. Like I was that person for a bunch of different organizations and I was tired. Oh my gosh. So exactly. (laughs) So when FCA came around, I just knew in my heart that it was something that I wanted to do. I just knew that almost decade long streak of not 
be, I'm not going to say I wasn't giving back because I was always giving back in my own way, but like not being an active member of a board or an advisory council in some capacity, I just knew that that streak was over. And I knew that this was, if I was going to do anything, it was going to be this. Because again, I am extremely passionate about, yes, we have to manage ourselves as individuals and we have to make sure that our businesses are not doing harm too. Like it's not enough for you personally to be on the right side of history. Your business also needs to, your organization needs to be on the right side of history as well. And so I just knew it. Yeah. And I don't know how I knew it. I mean, obviously it's the mission and you can hear my passion about being involved, but I also knew that this was something I wanted to give my time and my energy to and my bandwidth to outside of building CEO rising, because it just felt like y'all were, it felt symbiotic in that what y'all are teaching is not something that is available in CEO rising and kind of vice versa, you know? Yeah. And, and not that I was like, Oh yeah, this would be great. You know, strategic alliance. It wasn't that at all. It was like, I know that if I'm out here and I'm teaching my clients and telling them there's a different way to do business and I don't have anyone to refer them to, I'm kind of part of the problem. Mm-hmm. And so for all those reasons, and also just it's near and dear to my heart, it was great. And so um, my experience as an advisory board member has been absolutely amazing. It's something that I want to do. It's something that I get excited about. I need to do my homework better as a student. Um, but we- <laughs> <laughs> yes. So yeah, Lena is also a student and our all yes. advisory board members get the option of being a student as well if they choose. And Lena has chosen to have access to that. So yes, I am a student, but I am, I'm working on getting caught up with that. And I feel like I'm on the board with amazing people, amazing individuals who are doing this work in the world. And it feels like, you know, this is going to sound a bit like extra, but whatever. It feels very much like maybe this is what Ted felt like at the very beginning, right? Mm -hmm. Where you have these people who are gathered together who want to change the world. And so they mind meld a couple of times, several times a year for the benefit of everyone involved and i just feel like it's it's super yeah oh well thank you for all of that we know we're so glad that you're involved and you were our first advisory board member and it was your idea for us to have an advisory board in the first place so thank you for that because it's a brilliant oh, you're welcome. you're welcome and just to be clear to our listeners we don't have you write our newsletters and do our web no all of that <laughs> No, no, you don't. And that's another reason why I love FCA. No, no. That is my form as a board member. (laughs) Well, so our our listeners know a little bit more. Like, we have our advisory board. We have a couple meetings with them a year. And we just started this year. So, you know, just started really. But I've only had a couple meetings. But, you know, we have them oversee what we're doing. You know, we're very transparent with them about what our classes are. Yes. Who our teachers are, and we have them approve or disapprove, or, you know, about we have them look over our curriculum and we even shared like our money goals with them and you know, so things like that. We want them to be a part of the our the vision for yes. co-creating this academy and to hold us accountable, of course. 
but to yeah give you know suggestions um we i know in the last meeting like there were suggestions about you know how much to charge and you know stuff like that and and how we're charging too little and you know just things like that and and so yeah but we don't actually and we 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 do ask them to come to the integration calls and also if, if they want of course and then a few other things as as well but not to do any sort of regular employee type of work <laughs> right exactly yes or intern work yes yeah well we <laughs> thank you so much for that i think just end with you can let folks know again where to find you for CEO Rising. Um, if you could just change yeah. the website again. And so everyone, if you're looking for business coaching, check out Lena because again, I mean, you've heard everything she said. <laughs> oh, and thank our you. Experience is with Lena. I just I love our sessions. Go into it and I, I get so much out of them. And it's like yeah, I feel like we have so many hard questions and we're, we're like, oh my God, what do we do with this? Oh my God, what do we do with this? And we go, we go in with you and it's exactly what you described, swift and clear, you know, like you're so clear about it. You have very clear suggestions, you, and that feel good, that feel feminist, that feel aligned with our feminist values, right? That aren't, isn't lying or manipulating, but that's also like, feels like the boundaries we want to hold and all of that. It just feels good. And you feel good to, you know, we can show up with our whole selves with you. Yes. Yeah. That's so anyway. Oh, thank you. Yeah. You know, it's not about people think that, you know, um, they've got to do this thing where they show up for coaching with their coach that you do with your housekeeper, right. Or any type of staff that you might have at home. You think like, Oh, I've got to clean up because I don't want the, the housekeeper to think that I'm this person or whatever. And it's like, yeah, no judgment. I just believe in judgment free. We've all been somewhere where we don't want to be. We've all made a choice. That's not exactly ideal. And we knew it when we made the choice and we did it anyway. Like we've all been there. And so we can either spend our energy on judging people or we can spend our energy on supporting people. And I am someone who prefers the latter. So thank you so much for those kind words. They're humbling. And I always strive to be that coach that says, hey, you know, let's get in here and let's address this stuff and let's address these matters and let's do so without taking ourselves too seriously, without harming other people and without giving in to manipulative and oppressive and predatory tactics. And we're able to, to do that. And that's, that's enough for me. So folks can check us out at ceorising.co. We have not launched yet, but we will. Maybe by the time you're listening to this, we will have. Check us out. And I'm just looking forward to serving the world in this way. Thank you so much, Cam. This was so cool. This is great. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you. And if you're interested in our certification training and getting certified in feminist coach theory and learning how to integrate an inclusive feminist awareness and analysis of practice into your work with your clients and your business, 
Please go to feministcoachacademycourses.com to learn all about our certification training and to enroll now for our next intake. We are accepting enrollments for our next intake and we would love to have you join us. Also go to our website, feministcoachacademy.com to grab more of our free resources and to listen to other podcast episodes. Make sure you are subscribed to our podcast in iTunes or Spotify and that you're following us on social media at Feminist Coach Academy on Instagram and Facebook. And if you love our podcast, we would love it if you would rate and write us a review in iTunes. That would be amazing. Thank you so much. Have a joyful rest of your day.